A lot of people would think you can do more with less. If you're smart about it, you can actually capture more business with the same number of people, but using the technology. So instead of a team of two to three people getting three or two bids out a week, you can actually turn that into maybe 15 or 20. And you'll see the smaller companies that don't embrace the technology actually kind of fall by the wayside for the larger projects. Because when you're doing projects that are over a million square feet, it takes a lot of planning and you would need a team of 20 to do that. Now you could do it with five or six. I sometimes have managed up to 16 different projects at a time. I think it's important that we don't dumb down the knowledge by relying so much. We should have the fallback to go fully manual. And we're seeing a big push right now in the trade schools coming back. Before it was, you know, you got to go to college, you got to go to college, you got to go to college. Well, there's a lot of people that are coming out of college that are saddled with student debt. The career that they pick is not paying the bills. It's just not meeting it. Where if you start in a trade, the trades are never going to go away. Finance could be automated, but you still need the driver who's going to bring the material. You need the men that are going to build the structure. That's not going to be done by robots. I really feel that engineering students, students who are going to become electrical engineers or mechanical engineers, it's kind of a disservice if they just go for their degree, get it, because they're only dealing from book knowledge. They don't have... Hello, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Tech Your Business podcasts. It's your host, Peter, once again, and today we'll be talking with a guest. Our guest today is Robert Silano. Robert Silano is a construction operations executive and an author with so many years of experience, and today he will talk with us about his industry, about his story, and about how tech, tech has helped him do what he does. So welcome to the show, Robert. Thank you. It's great to be here. All right. So tell us a bit about you and um, what you do. Well, I've been in the construction industry on the northeast of the United States for approximately 43 years. Everything from large residential projects, large commercial, uh, civil, and um, retail, high-end retail. Everywhere from electrical, mechanical, fire alarm, life safety, all the way through into design and build. Interesting. So that's a lot of experience. So yeah. looking over those um, 43 years, how have you seen technology change in the way it's used in your industry? Well, when I started, there actually was no technology <laughs> at all, pretty much. <laughs> um, we didn't even have cordless tools back then. Wow. It, uh, technology actually has come a very long way in helping the construction industry, not only in terms of um, becoming smarter, but also streamlining processes. So before everything was done on paper, and it would take, for instance, if you had a customer that had a project with blueprints, it could take weeks to put that Mm. proposal together and understand what all the parts and pieces and labor wouldn't be needed. Now it takes hours. So there is software that we use that uh, put the proposal and the bid, if you call it, together. Mm-hmm. We also use technology now for project management. So we're able to track progress a lot better. We're able to tra- track our spending, our man hours, to keep it more profitable. Before all the technology came on board, you didn't really know how well the project was going. The only way you were able to tell is I'm spending a lot on material or my payroll is very high. And if I plot it out over the next 
30, 40 weeks, I might not make money. Now you can pretty much tell that from the onset and you could track the progress um, through the project's life cycle. And at any given point, see where you're at and what's going well and what's going not so well. So you're able to change gears or fix things that are problematic. Hmm, interesting. So that means over the years, you've been able to do more oh, yeah. with the available resources. Interesting. Yeah, do more, not only with the resources, but um, a lot of people would think you can do more with less. If you're smart hmm. about it, you can actually capture more business with the same number of people, but using the technology. So instead of a team of two to three people getting uh, three or two bids out a week, you can actually turn that into maybe 15 or 20. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> well, so, so where are you seeing the biggest impacts of new technology coming out these days in um, construction operations? Well, right now, what has really brought things up to you know a good speed is uh, BIM, um, 3D modeling. So we're now able to look at the structure or the construction of a, a building or a site before it's actually built, before it was one-dimensional on paper. Now we can see it in three-dimensional. And in a project, any project, there is multiple skill sets needed. You'll have your electrical, you'll have your plumbing, you'll have your HVAC. Before that, everybody had their own prints and just went by them. Now there's more coordination between the trades because you can actually build this building in a 3D model, look through it, turn it upside down, see where all the pipes are, where all your you know, pathways are, and pre-plan and give everybody a lane to drive in, let's say. And uh, it speeds up the process of the, pro uh, the project while also avoiding any clashes in the field. Uh, they still do happen, but it's less than before. So if someone puts a fixture or a light or a piece of pipe on a drawing somewhere and it's actually in conflict with some other trade, we now see that ahead of time before we didn't know until we got there. Hmm, interesting. So apart from that, the biggest impact, what gets you most excited about uh, technology in construction? Well, a lot of the, the new technology, some good technology has come out that reduces the amount of manual physical labor and, mm. through automation. So, and a lot of expense, a reduction in expense, um, especially when it comes to the products that we use, you know, pipe, wire, all of these things now, automation has been able to take on, and you can actually now build a pipe assembly with CAD, put it into a machine, and the machine will actually bend the pipe to the specifications you need. Before, that was painstaking labor. I mean, a guy had to use either a machine or do it manually. Now you can pump these things out a lot quicker. The use of the BIM and the 3D modeling has been huge for us. Like I said, it helps us design and build prior to it actually making a hole in the ground. So we know what we're building way ahead of time before it was multiple field visits, dimensions, drawings. Um, and you didn't know until that floor was built in a building. If you've had a building that was 60, 70 stories, you know, every day was a new surprise. <laughs> Here's the next <laughs> floor. And you're like, okay, we got to work this out. Well, now we have the plans go through the revision process a lot sooner. And we're able to see what we're going to be building before we actually build it. So we can plan on the material we need, which helps us save with our commodity purchases. So when we look at a, a building on plans or in 3D, we can actually tell the lengths of things 
and then we can purchase smartly because those things like copper are a commodity. Aluminum is a commodity. So if we know our quantity on the onset, we could sort of bundle it and buy it less expensive at one time instead of buying it over a period of time where the price may fluctuate. It's also been very helpful in uh, safety. Um, which is the number one concern on any construction project. It helps you document and keep records of safety protocol. It'll also give you the ability to plan out your safety uh, training and what needs to be uh, looked at before you actually start doing the work. So safety is a big key. It's uh, been the forefront now lately in the past couple of years that safety has taken such a big step forward because we were trying to reduce the number of accidents. And they happen daily, but we're trying to reduce the number of accidents, whether it be minor or a major accident, but it also keeps your insurance premiums down. So we're also driven by insurance premiums as well. Mm, nice. All right. So like you said, you started 43 years ago, and back then everything was manual. manual. But from <laughs> what you've said so far, <laughs> what you said so far, it's obvious you've really embraced the technology and you've really added it into your workflows and everything. But there are others who find it difficult to add to change, to embrace these new things and everything. So for those people less familiar with technology, what advice do you have for them on evaluating and implementing new tools in their construction and co-workflow? Oh, this kind of business, yes, you have what we would say the old school thought of doing things. You don't, you know, when you can't control something, people sort of get a little apprehensive. So you have to embrace the technology, but you could be cutting edge without what we call being bleeding edge. So you don't dive in full head on. Only take on the technology that's going to be right for your business. Use it as an augment to your business. Don't think it's going to be running your business because as an owner of business, you have to have sole responsibility for the dollars and cents of that business and the decisions. The technology only helps you possibly make better decisions and better planning but you don't want to fall, like I said, head into it and say, okay, this software, basically I can stay home five days a week. I press a button and it'll run things. It doesn't work that way. It's garbage in, garbage out. You know, what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. So, True. I mean, even you had contractors when I started, we didn't have email. <laughs> you know, mm. we didn't have, you know, really back then it was not even that close to being having a fax machine and blueprints were actually blue now and it would take days <laughs> to print out a set of blueprints um because they were hand scribed now it's pretty much digital world we print out what we need when we need it or we're not even printing as much we're using things on a tablet or on a computer where we could see these prints and manipulate them make annotations to them and save them so in the estimating world of doing your jobs that helps you quite a bit. It tracks. It's on it, before everything was on paper and pencil and a calculator. Now it's saved in the software, and you can always refer back to it and tweak it or change items. They also have accounting software that now goes hand in hand with that, as well as project management software, which will then help you manage the project. So you can manage the mm -hmm. finances as well as the project itself. So it'll help you do your billing. It'll help you with what we call, you know, the cream of the job is the change orders. <laughs> so whenever there's a change on a project, that's a billable expense. So now this mm. helps you track the change orders and send out things like WIP reports, work in progress reports. The owner of the business could now come in, fire up his uh, computer, 
and basically get a 30,000 look view of his company. What's profitable? Cool. What's going well? Almost like dials where you'll see, you know, green to red. And if something is starting to approach the yellow zone, you can drill into it and say, what's going on? And you can drill down even further to see what the root cause is and make the proper corrections before, because the project can get out of control real fast and you can lose a lot of money. Um, but you can actually stop that by knowing intimately what's going on financially and by the numbers with software. So they shouldn't be afraid of it. It's easy to learn. It's kind of intuitive. You just have to embrace it, but only take on as much as you can handle at the beginning. Don't try to blow yourself up with uh, hundreds and thousands of dollars of software just because you think you need it. You know, you'll grow into what you need and you can always add on modules. That's really great advice. And I've heard that a lot because <laughs> technology easily overwhelms people. Oh, yes. I mean, just like we're doing today, meetings back in my day were. You scheduled it, you went to a room, you sat down, you spoke. <laughs> now we can talk across the pond in a matter of seconds. Honestly, honestly. Yeah. And we have so many things doing the same thing. Like I remember we tried using Zoom previously. Now we're using a podcast. There's Riverside, there's Zencaster, all yes. doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And some of them doing them better than others. <laughs> True. <laughs> and I remember the back in the day, it was uh, old conference calls were first one on one. It morphed into multiple people in different locations on one, but yeah. it still looked like a conference call. With these technologies, especially you know podcasting and also with teams, we use a lot of teams in the construction industry because mm. we're able to pull together a lot of trades onto one call and we're able to share a, a document together and all view it and make comments on it and make our notes. So it becomes a living document. Wow. So the work is constantly evolving. That document lives with the project and weekly as we have our meetings and our updates that document changes and we can all adjust the schedule as needed if needed so it, it becomes a, a very important part of the project process now it's almost um, invaluable and you'll see the smaller companies that don't embrace the technology actually kind of fall by the wayside for the larger projects because when you're doing projects that are over a million square feet uh, it takes a lot of planning, and you would need a team of 20 to do that. Now you Whoa. can do it with five or six, but you know, so the software helps you manage that workload so that one person doesn't just do one job for the year. I sometimes have managed up to 16 different projects at a time, and Whoa. that was the use of technology. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to do that. You can't do that many meetings in one day. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, so what, what kind of software helps you manage that many projects? For estimating, right now, there's an industry standard like um, Acubid and uh, Conest, and they already have these pre-built assemblies in for electrical. They also do it for HVAC and plumbing. So you can just say, I want to run a, a 200 amp service from point A to point B, and it knows all the parts and pieces that you're going to need, and it puts it in, and then you can just adjust the labor based on the standards, the NECA standards. The other one is for the project management which is Procore, which is pretty much the dominant one that people use right now, gives you the ability to store your prints, store messages, send out requests for information, get those requests back so that they're documented in the project. So no one can point back and say, you didn't ask me that question or this should have been brought up <laughs> 10 floors ago. Well, it sort of gives it a, a monument to the, the request. It's a double-edged sword, of course. 
It'll also give you the ability to send out your change orders and monitor when they're approved, when they're not approved. You can also do messaging through it. And it'll also, you know, like I said, store all the latest revisions of plans. So instead of in a such case where you can get up to, I've seen 20 revisions of a one floor plan just because the design engineers have changed their mind, instead of having to send that email out to everyone, you just now get a notice and you go to the Procore hub and you can actually see the latest revision of a drawing and make mm. your decisions based on that new drawing. And for accounting, right now they use um, a software that will do all your accounting for you. It'll actually, by Trimble, it'll bill your customer via email and mm. monitor collection where you don't have to keep calling someone up and saying, hey, it's 30 days past due, it's 60 days past due. The automation will actually <laughs> do that for you and keep sending it until it's really annoying. You know? So it, it helps you in that respect. I've seen you voice some um, concerns over the reliance of AI. Like this this year, it has been the mm-hmm. thing everywhere. Everyone's talking about AI. But I've seen you voice concerns about people relying on AI compared to human experience. Yeah. So what role do you see automation play in the construction industry? And where should humans stay central? Because at the end of the day, AI will still um, be adopted in one way or the other. But from your experience... Will it be adopted? Absolutely. There's no stopping it from being adopted. But we need to put guardrails around it. Because like with anything... What you the input into it is just as is almost more important than the output. It's only as good as you know what you put mm-hmm. in. So especially with like large learning, uh, large language machines, as much as you put in, you know, it's different than like a crawler. A crawler goes out on the internet and basically searches and pulls information True. up. LLM really scrapes a lot of information, and sometimes it's not the information you wanted to scrape. So you have to be really very careful on what it scrapes. So the AI will help possibly, you know, in, in a trade like ours, like I'm in, it's a physical intensive trade. Yeah, We can't send a bunch of robots to do the job. That's never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Nor does anybody want that to happen. But the automation itself will be used to enhance design. And mm. we can, when I was in the technology world for 20 years, we use software to simulate network traffic and stress on a network to see its breaking points. We'll be able to use AI the same way in electrical and in plumbing and in heating, the same way to sort of do a rendering and actually give it the stress points and see where the failures could possibly be. Now it's sort of all calculations. You install it, build it, test it. You know, there's many different tests to go through. And then you find out if there's any problem. This could possibly now bring us to the realm of we could stress test a design prior to it being built, especially in structural. Hmm. So there is a good application for it. Is it scary to a lot of people? Yeah, because the first thing they think is, you know, iRobot, you know, uh, all these movies, (laughs) you know, Terminator, is it going to take over my jobs? Is it going to realize I'm no longer useful and just let the machine do it all? No, it's (laughs) never going to be that. We have to do, we have to. Put One of the scariest things I did here is I was watching a, a Senate hearing and there was a professor. Uh, actually, there was one of the AI developers and a professor from University of California. And he even said, we have to be very careful and we do have to put up guardrails. And the, one of the gentlemen um, who developed ChatGPT said that they're coming out with a constitution for 
chat GPT, which is kind of scary. Hmm. I mean, you're giving something a constitution that's not a living thing. So, you know, <laughs> do no harm, press a stop button, you know. That's taking it to the next level. So I like to, like I say, I like to cruise control is nice, but I want to drive my own car. (laughs) I don't take a chance on just someone saying, I think I know how to do that. No, no, I'll do it myself. And if I make a mistake, it's my bad. But um, it's going to be useful. It's here. It's here to stay. It just now, you know, especially with SAG and all of that, people are getting nervous because it duplicates things that the artist and honestly, the sciences do. I think the biggest advantage for AI is in the medical space Mm. because really with medical, you only sometimes get one shot at a treatment if it's effective or going under surgery. I think AI in that respect can be very important and, you know, be adopted in the construction trade. Like I said, very labor intensive. You still have to have men and women in the field doing this kind of work, pulling the cable, you know, terminating it powering it up, you know, it has inherent dangers and you're connecting to a utility. So I do see it being helpful. I don't see it in the near future taking over and basically being just completely a robotic industry. All right. Since the pandemic, one um, trend that has become very common is that of remote work and um, hybrid work. (laughs) So now looking over time before the pandemic and after the pandemic, what have been the construction trends with this rise of remote work? Oh, now it's interesting you said that. Um, through the entire pandemic, my business did not skip a beat. We were doing a lot of essential projects like essential housing. So you still had the same number of men going to work every day. The pandemic did not really slow us down much. We didn't work for remotely. You still had to go to the job site and check in on things and make sure the project was going well. And that's just inherent of the construction business. It's It takes you being there and it takes uh, manual labor. So in some instances, if it was non-essential work, yeah, some businesses went out, uh, went out of business because their cash flow just dried up. You had to be able to be a little bit of a smarter businessman and pivot your knowledge and put it into the places that were going to keep going uh, and the areas that still needed uh, your expertise. Yeah. So looking at the technology that has been coming out, we've looked at, um, we've talked about different things for accounting, for project management, for blueprints, since they are no longer Mm. blue (laughs) and other things. (laughs) So looking forward, um, let's say maybe the next five to 10 years, what emerging technologies do you think will be the game changers for the construction industry? Mm. The game changers, I think more... The game changing will be the use of the technology in fabrication of product. Hmm. That'll become faster and better. It'll still be human checked, but it will be faster and better. The only downfall to that is we're very reliant on chips. And as we know, those have become very hard to get. (laughs) So there was times when um, before the pandemic and before all of this stuff was going on, we would be able to go out and buy material or switch gear and stuff like that. Just go out and get it at our local supplier or order it. Now there's a 52-week wait (laughs) for some of these components because of the chip shortage. So we now get a project that we on the onset know the day that we win it, we have to place this order and monitor that it gets delivered on time. Uh, you know, the electrical trade is very unique in the fact that no other trade can work unless we turn the lights on. 
<laughs> so it we're the ones that probably the most key um, element of any structure is electrical because no other pro- uh, trade can work. Lights don't come on. Water doesn't flow. That's why they sometimes they say the electricians think they're Christ, but Christ was a carpenter. <laughs> God created light. <laughs> <laughs> so we're we're electrical gods so that's the way it comes out <laughs> all right so in the construction industry again what's current technology gaps do you think need to be addressed like where do you think it can be applied to make it better to make things better well it would definitely be in the supply chain management it mm. needs better tracking that way it would be nice to have a transparent view into the manufacturing process where you can actually go to a computer and look in and see your product being developed in the stages it's being developed in before prior to being shipped because you have to constantly meet with the customer and set their expectations and without those unknowns of where the product is in its life cycle of coming out, it's very hard. You can very easily um, upset a customer because you're making promises and you're only as good as your word. No computer can ever take that away from you. But you need that kind of information immediately to make those promises because there's not only the project, it's also financial. You know, These mm. projects are backed by banks and banks pay upon progress. And if progress is slowed and if the project is slowed, that physical structure doesn't get onto the market in time, you're losing money by the hour that they can't lease it or sell the project or put it into use as like a school. So if you miss on a school project, the little kids have no place to go in September. So you have to (laughs) always be point on on your supply chain. (laughs) Like I said, also in the fabrication part uh, where I see technology really getting a boost we need to use technology not only on the large manufacturer, but also in the in-house manufacturing. That would help in the fact that I don't want to say less labor intensive, but less dangerous, less fatiguing. If you can have more robotics or machinery that can do the simple little tasks of bending pipe or measuring out wire and spooling it in the field, as opposed to calling up and paying for that to be done or having larger machines or men do it where they can get physically injured. So you'd have a better trade. But mm-hmm. I grew up in the industry when everything was done by hand, you know, so yeah. you, yeah, you've got cuts, you got bruises, you got electrocuted. Now we try to use <laughs> the technology to our advantage so we don't get hurt. You know, um, it's funny. Some of the guys that I work with, I asked them, you know, where's your hacksaw? And they like look at me like I had two heads because they're so used to now using an electric tool that just cuts a piece of pipe. You know, mm. when I started, you carried a hacksaw and you had to cut something. You got your arm out and you sawed away at it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a good and bad thing. We have weaker electricians, but um, the automation does speed things up a bit. But it could make it. I look at it more on the safety side. The safety side is the real important thing. And like I said, the 3D modeling will get even better. We're at the point where we can actually virtually walk through a space before it's built. That would give the design engineers a better idea of what they're designing and how it's going to look and make changes before the expense happens to make a change in the field. You just talked about the newer generation and something I've really um, experienced because now looking at AI now, when I was younger, um, you'd always you just you, you have an essay, you have a letter to write. You think from the beginning to the end, you write everything. Yep. Out, but this is can just go in and say, "I want to write a letter for this," and it just two seconds spits out <laughs> spits out the entire letter. 
yeah, <laughs> it's and sometimes better grammar. <laughs> it's much better, <laughs> much better. And like you said, like with the hacksaw, now everybody's used to electrical tools and everything. But at the end of the day, like something when you look at the way everything is dependent on the internet, because there are some days I wonder, okay, what if the internet goes out totally? There will be a lot oh, it's of chaos. Mass chaos. So. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I've seen people throw hissy fits on the fact that they cannot get their email or their iPhone is down and they're, they're having stress attacks. <laughs> you know, you need to give them a Xanax or something. They're freaking out. Like, oh my God, my phone doesn't work. I mean, we didn't have, when I started, we didn't have cell phones. And then we had a cell phone that was the size of a brick with those, an antenna right, on it. Motorola's. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, the mo- with an antenna and a battery you had to carry around. And that was, wow, we thought we were great at $7 a minute. Um, now, if we have a we have something in our hands that is 100 times more uh, powerful than the space shuttle powerful. in computing power, but we've come Ooh. so reliant on it through chat and through um, texting. And I can literally on my phone, it's I could pull up Procore, that software I'm talking about, and look at plans for an entire wow. project or 50 projects. And I could save things. I can annotate them and send them back out just from my phone so I'm not tethered to a desk. And I could be just as productive, if not more, because now I'm able to actually go to each and every site and do things on the fly. Exactly. Without leaving where you are. Yep. Yep. So now now for you who has um, been through the manual way of doing things and Mm -hmm. gone to this... um, embrace technology and everything. For the newer generation, they, they come into the industry and they just meet this automated way of doing things. And to me, I feel a lot of skills are going to be lost with um, yes. that. Yes. So how do th- those who haven't been through all the phases like you transfer your knowledge to those in the new generation? So like I said, if the internet goes out, they are not stuck. <laughs> Right. They're not just standing there like a, like a turkey yeah. in the rain. Um, I think it's important that we don't dumb down the knowledge by relying so much. We should have the fallback to go fully manual. <laughs> um, and we're seeing a big uh, push right now in the trade schools coming back. Before it was mm. you know, 10, 20, 25, 30 years ago, you got to go to college, you got to go to college, you got to go to college. Well, there's a lot of people that are coming out of college that are saddled with student debt. Um, The career that they pick is not paying the bills. It's just not meeting it. Where if you start in a trade, the trades are never going to go away. Um, True. Finance could be automated, but you still need the driver who's going to bring the material. You need the men that are going to build the structure. That's not going to be done by robots or by automation alone. And I... I really feel that engineering students, students who are going to become electrical engineers or mechanical engineers, it's kind of a disservice if they just go for their degree, get it, because they're only dealing from book knowledge. They don't mm-hmm. have the real-time knowledge. So I think it would be better if they do though, and I see it every day, you know, cut and paste for blueprints, and it doesn't really pertain to the product, but just it was easy and fast. I think they need to spend some field time. I mean, hmm. I kind of equate it to I have I know someone who can go on a computer and play with flight simulator and fly. 
I don't really think I'm going to be getting on their plane in real life. <laughs> I want them to have some airtime. So it's the same True. way with the traits. I want you to I want you to know what it feels like to thread a pipe, to connect electricity, to uh, test voltage, to do all these things with the the so many nuances to it. And if you've never done it physically, it's very easy to armchair quarterback and say, "Oh, I can get that done in two hours." Really? <laughs> you try it. <laughs> so. Um, that's where, you know, the rubber meets the road and becomes from people with experience like I have, we need, it's a, we should be transferring that knowledge, um, the practical knowledge. We're only doing ourselves a disservice if we don't, if we hoard it to ourselves and let the youngins just use the software, it, it's not going to do anyone any good in the future. I mean, you could see now, um, there are buildings that are built, testament of time, they're still standing and those were all hand done. Pyramids are still standing. Exactly. Empire State Building is still standing, but yet we have a ten, a five or ten year old building that's starting to collapse because of poor engineering. That makes a statement because the men and women that did it back in the time were actually steel workers that sort of evolved into engineers. We just didn't pump mm. out engineers. They sort of miss a step when you do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really true and i can really relate to that because I, my first degree was actually in engineering but gas engineering mm-hmm. so yeah so we did a little of um, the mechanical and the electrical and all that and i i think it's the reason why i keep pulling everything apart in the house <laughs> <laughs> you know in a, you know when you're going to school and it's electrical engineering your final project may be a 24 volt sneaker with some lights and things like that's great <laughs> But until you've had your hands on something like 10,000 amps and a little tingle from it, you learn to respect things a little differently and see things in a different set of eyes. Honestly, the wisdom that comes with that is totally different. Yeah, yeah it's, it's similar to military service. I mean, you know, you get guys that come out of West Point that are a second lieutenant and you send them into the field and usually those are the first guys that get killed <laughs> um, because they don't have the field knowledge behind the gun to protect themselves. So you kind of stick exactly. with the sergeant who's got the boots on the ground. Really true. So looking back in the past then four decades, if you were to advise your younger self on your career so far, what would you tell yourself? That's a good question. I My whole career has been, and I still do, and I'm going to turn 60 shortly. Um, I try to learn every day. I try to keep up with the knowledge as it progresses, you know, as technology progresses. And you got to keep, your, you can't just go stale. So hmm. learn as much as you can, not only about your trade, about others. And everything that has linkage mm. to your trade. You know, if you're in electrical, yeah, but guess what? Electrical touches every other trade. It touches mechanical. Yeah, that big air conditioner is not going to run without electricity. The dampers are not going to open and close to balance it. Plumbing, water seeks level. If you want to get it up a building, you're going to need a pump, and a pump runs on electricity. So learn about the other aspects and what your trade touches, and all the and you'll be a well-rounded person. You'll also be more invaluable that way. And you'll have sustainability. So your career will go on as long as you wish. But if you stay in one spot and just stay to your core concepts, you're going to become stagnant after a while. So it's Mm -hmm. learn as much as you could, never stop learning. And the people who say, I know everything, don't. (laughs) No one knows everything. Be humble about it and keep your ears open and, you know, just continue to learn. You know, the smartest person in the room is the quietest one sometimes. 
Very true. That's very true. So that's for your younger self. What would you like to mm-hmm. share to our listeners? Um, probably maybe have some, something you'd like to share that I've not asked about or something you feel they would be better off knowing. What I would say is in any business, especially in this trade, leadership is paramount. You can't lead by disaster management, you know, throwing it on the <laughs> wall, seeing if it sticks. You know, we're seeing what's happening right now in Maui. There is no concept of organization whatsoever. You have to lead by example. If you ask someone to take on a task and you have not done it yourself, it's kind of iffy unless they, if you, unless you're using them as an expert on that specific task. Mm-hmm. Respect the people around you. Treat everyone and show them their worth because your productivity goes up much higher. You're not in business to belittle people. You're not in business to make people's lives tougher because you want to make more money. You have to. It has to come from you, yourself that you appreciate people as much as they appreciate, they'll appreciate you just as much. And the same thing with your customers. It was a term we used back maybe about 25 years ago when I was in the tech space is customers did business with us because we sucked less (laughs) than the other guy. (laughs) Now it's a harsh reality, but yeah, you know, customers think everybody stinks, but if you stink less than everybody else, yeah, they're going to do business with you. Also, don't let the technology of today take the human element out of business. You get an email, answer it. I have a five minute rule that an email needs to be answered within five minutes because there's somebody on the other waiting end, waiting for an answer. And you know how it is to call up an 800 number for tech support and you're sitting there listening <laughs> to that same stale can music for 25 minutes or the bank True. because you lost your debit card and you're calling them and you're panicking because you're on an 800 number. You want to go and strangle someone. So <laughs> answer the email. Even if you don't have the full answer, say, I received your email. I'm going to answer it. And don't rely on the technology to have a voice to talk to the customer. A customer mm. is much less inclined to be terse with you. If they have a voice and a face that they match the name with, because then it's a personal bond. On email, I've seen people flame another person on an email. Well, you're real tough behind that keyboard, but <laughs> you need to make the the physical connection with people and say, "Hi, I'm pleased to meet you. You know, I'm here if you need me." Then they're less likely to, you know, start venting on you, and they think more rationally. You know, we get irrational when it comes, even our cars, if it doesn't start, you're banging on the steering wheel because <laughs> it's an inanimate object. <laughs> but um, with people, we tend to try not to be aggressors and we try to work things out and use our brains, which is more complex than any AI, and we can reason better. So keep the human element in business, keep the relationships going because those will sustain you. I have people that I work with over the past 40 years still. Now, a computer doesn't measure time that way. It doesn't say, hey, this was a great company to work with, or this was a good trade to work with. And, you know, maybe we had some issues, but we got over them and we worked as a team. We're not zeros and ones. You know, relationship building has a lot of gray area and a lot of nuances to it. And it needs a lot of ego massaging because everybody has one. (laughs) And in this business, you have to be a diplomat, a psychiatrist, um, a financier, and a salesman all at once. So you're not just, it's not just as on and off like a computer is. True. Yeah. Really true. So 
Yes. Yeah, so to keep the human elements in business, no matter what happens. Yes. Yes. And and it's it's really true because like what you said, I, I've noticed one thing of recent. You go on a website or a company's um, chats, and then you have an issue, and they just they send a robot to chat with you. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> How can I help you today? You say you're peace and they're like, hold on, I'm going to get you a live person. Well, why are you wasting my time? Honestly, what was the point? <laughs> what is the point of using a chat AI if it doesn't answer your question? It gives me some bubbled answer that has, did this help you? No, it did not. No. <laughs> no. Okay, your wait is 35 minutes. Jesus. <laughs> get less computers and more people in there. Honestly. I mean, I was back in when I was in technology and in banking too, I was on the advent of ATM machines. We were one of the first companies to bring ATMs. We said, Oh, this is going to make life so much easier for everyone. (laughs) There's going to be less tellers now, you know, this is going to, and tellers were like, Oh, that's going to take my job. No, not at all. (laughs) When I go to the bank, I like to see a person. (laughs) I don't trust that little machine unless I'm taking cash out of it, putting stuff in. I just don't trust accounting properly sometimes. (laughs) And it makes mistakes. So, you know, I miss kind of those old ways of doing things. Um, There is sometimes just too much technology, which becomes an inhibitor. Um, It really does. It's just too much where you become so reliant on it. Like we said, if our internet went down right now, I mean, you wouldn't be able to speak (laughs) unless I picked up the phone and called you. But honestly, we've become so reliant on our day-to-day lives down to our coffee maker um, to make us coffee in the morning, um, our refrigerator, tell us what's missing out of the refrigerator so we can shop. Um, you know, Amazon has taken over the world when it comes to shopping. I mean, people freak out if their Amazon packages are an hour late. So we got to put that back into, you know, concept, you know, and, and, and take it in and say, you know, maybe we're pushing this, we're running a little faster than we should be. You know, True. we're learning all this technology at a rate that we can't absorb it. And it's really bad for the younger generation because they're missing yes. all the classic knowledge. They're not reading all the books that they should read or learn the technique of research and mathematics. Why do you need mathematics now if I could just go to my computer and type in an equation or a question and it's going to give me the entire equation built out, spelled out, and done? So, like you said, with chat GPT. I have to write a term paper. Man, I remember spending days doing it. <laughs> I can write a book in under an hour if I use Chat GPT. <laughs> and I never wrote that well. <laughs> you know, I just I just wrote a book and it took me almost a year. And it's only 104 pages. And wow. it's on project management and different styles of it. Now I'm sure if I went into Chat Chat GPT and did that, that would have been 10 minutes. <laughs> and I would have been done. But you know, it's not the kind of thing I want to do. I don't want to write something that's canned message. I need to put myself into the words. Into exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It right. has to be a reflection of me. True. So if our listeners want to reach out to you, they want to maybe work with you, they want to learn from you, or they want to get your book mm-hmm. on um, project management, how do they right. reach you? Okay, so my website is my name. It's www.robertsolano.com. All my contact information is there. It has what my business does um, on a high level. They can contact me there. They can go on um, Amazon and buy the book. It's probably backwards with technology. (laughs) Um, But they can go there and buy the book on Amazon. 
there's going to be a few more books that I'm doing. Um, mm. At one point in my life, I wrote a lot. So this one was the fir- one of the first ones I wrote, and I retuned it to current day, and I finished mm. it. And my other one is on contract negotiation, uh, which should be coming out in a few months. Now, that is 40 years of history of negotiating contracts. That no computer can do because Whoa. there are too many variables in a contract and too many lawyers. <laughs> so um, <laughs> those are skill sets that you have to learn and fine tune so you don't lose your shirt. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So everyone, so you can go to robertsolano.com or you can go on Amazon, search for Robert Solano for this book. And you can search later for the next mm-hmm. book on contract negotiation. So all yes, the links will be in the show notes below. And you know, yeah. they can reach out to me on LinkedIn as well. You know, LinkedIn, I'm very okay. busy on LinkedIn. I'm usually on it multiple times a day. And it's under Robert Solano <laughs> CPP. Um, and you'll see that. All right. And you'll see my postings. <laughs> That's all right. So your, your LinkedIn, your uh, Amazon and your website would all be put in the show notes once this um, goes live. Great. All right. That'd be great. All right. So thank you. Thank you so much for coming today on the Tech Your Business podcast. Oh. This was a really great conversation. <laughs> As well. It was a lot, a lot of fun. Yeah. And I hope it helps. <laughs> yes. You know, I hope it helps people that watch it, you know, to take the trade, you know, and the experience that I've had and use it for good use. True, 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 true. All right. So so thank you for coming on. And for the listeners, thank Thank you for being with us on this episode of the Take Your Business podcast. So till next week, when we come with another episode of this podcast, don't forget to keep learning and keep taking your business. Bye for now.